0: The word of the Lord says this, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. There's some well-doers in this house because we believe in one God. The devils also believe and tremble. And by the help of the Holy Ghost and by the grace of God I would like to preach to you on this subject the message that makes the devils tremble the message that makes the devils tremble let's go to the Lord together in prayer shall we Heavenly Father we thank you for your spirit that hovers and moves so freely in this house Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way, way, Holy Ghost. Allow your word to come forth with boldness, with accuracy, with fervor, with love. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would stir our hearts and change our lives by the power of the Holy Ghost and the preaching of the word of God. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask for an anointing upon your messenger and upon your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for standing. The word of the Lord says some very unique things in the very beginning book of the bible the book of beginnings you see this marvelous matter of creation unfold where that the earth was without form the earth was void darkness was upon the face of the deep the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters and god said, let there be light, and there was light. And then this creation, as it unfolds, it it begins to set all things into order. And God, who has established on earth his divine order, creates an environment that is picture perfect an atmosphere that is ready-made literally for his crowning moment, his ultimate goal, which is to form man of the dust of the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. and Man will become a living soul and he will be made in the image of God. So God did all of this, and and we have a great big Bible here, ladies and gentlemen, a great big Bible, 66 books, lots of chapters,
1: lots of verses,
0: lots of stories. There's a lot to preach out of this Bible, and yet there, there isn't much time in this Bible for us to really get acquainted with that whole period of time that was so perfect that was so pristine, that was so flawless, where God and man had uninhibited communion, where the voice of God walked so freely in the cool of the day, and Adam and God, Adam being the son of God, enjoying fellowship, 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 Untainted, uninhibited, unrestricted, beautiful, understood, appreciated fellowship. Hallelujah. Just a couple of chapters. We see it and we are familiarized with it to some extent. And, 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 and no later than the third chapter of this Bible, things start to get a little unwieldy the serpent now the serpent who was the most subtle beast of the field begins to tempt eve and begins to say that can you not eat of every tree of the garden now look how the serpent does she can eat of every tree of the garden but one and he's going to draw her attention to one tree out of the hundreds, out of the thousands, out of the millions that she can eat of, he's going to concentrate her attention on that one forbidden fruit, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and say to her, can you eat of every tree of the garden? Knowing good and well the answer to this question. Yeah. She said, well, sure, I can eat of every tree of the garden. Well, except, of course, for that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, ah, so you can't have fruit from every tree in the garden. Well, you know, he said, the only reason God doesn't want you to eat of that fruit from that tree is because God knows that in the hour that you eat of that fruit from that tree, you will become as gods, knowing good and evil and when eve looked at the fruit the tree and saw that it was a it was good for food that's the lust of the flesh yes sir that it was pleasant to the eye that's the lust of the eyes and that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise that's the pride of life she fell to the temptation and adam Her husband with her her, did eat. And it was through the disobedience of Adam that sin entered the world and death by sin. Now here's what's interesting. I could go around this room and I could ask each and every one of you, who was the serpent in the Garden of Eden? And every one of you would have the same answer. One of you might say the devil. The other might say Satan. We're talking about the same one. The deceiver. The adversary. The wicked one. The prince of the power of the air. The God of this world. Lowercase, albeit. G-O-D of this world. But do you know Genesis chapter 3 does not say that serpent was the devil? Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 3 does not say it was the devil. It just simply says that serpent, serpent. Yeah. was the most subtle beast of the field. All right. Genesis chapter 4 doesn't say that the serpent was the devil. Genesis 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 to 50 does not say that serpent was the devil. Exodus doesn't say. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy does not say that it was the devil. The books of history, the books of poetry, the major prophets, the minor prophets, don't say that it was the devil. The Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, the Pauline epistles, the general epistles, the book of Revelation is when we finally understand who that serpent was. When a revelator on an isle of exile is looking into the heavens and is in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he sees and receives a revelation and says, That old serpent, you know which one I'm talking about. The one who deceived Eve in the beginning. That old serpent. You know the old serpent that I'm talking about, the one that 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 mocked God, tempted Eve, that that contended with Adam that he would disobey, that old old serpent, which is called the devil. We encounter him three chapters into the Bible, but we don't find out who he is until 10 chapters before the Bible concludes. You know why It's very simple. Why? Because God knows all about that old serpent. And he knows that if he would have made such a big deal about emphasizing that he was the serpent, then in our feeble little finite minds, that's what he would always be. The fact is, sometimes he's a serpent, and sometimes he's a lion. The fact is, sometimes he's a lion and sometimes he's a bear. Fact is, sometimes he's a lion, sometimes he's a bear, and sometimes he's a giant. Sometimes he's none of those things. Sometimes he's beautiful Bathsheba. Sometimes he doesn't have fangs and venom. Sometimes he has beauty and poise. Sometimes he clothes himself in religious robes. Sometimes he dresses up in academic façade. Sometimes he clothes himself in the very thing you crave more than anything else. And you don't need to know so much what he looks like as much as you do what he sounds like. Because it doesn't matter how he dresses up or how he disguises himself. He's always saying the same thing. Hath God said? Hath God said? Always questioning what God hath said. Always calling into question the word of God. Well, I want to say in the name of Jesus to the young people of 2016, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall not pass away. I want to say to some apostolic young people in 2016, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thy word, O oh Lord, is forever settled in the heavens. Be careful, Samson, because your adversary is crafty, 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 and he might jump out of the shadows like a lion and knock you to the floor, and you know you're in for the fight of your life. And other times, he'll very gently caress your hair as a deceptive Delilah pretending to care about what's in your best interest, all the while trying to steal your anointing, all the while trying to take what God has given to you. You better know who you're dealing with. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices. He is a menacing, unclean, ungodly, hellish spirit. He made a transaction with Adam in the Garden of Eden that rendered the earth into his hands. That's why the Bible calls him the God of this world. The earth is the Lord's But the enemy of our soul is the lowercase God of this world's system. And and he is, and he, listen, listen, he's stronger than your flesh. He is absolutely stronger than your flesh. I'm going to preach on our victory and our triumph and our dominion and our authority. But before I talk about that, you need to understand what doesn't have authority over him. Your flesh has no authority over your adversary. Your flesh is fallen, your flesh is cursed, it's easily manipulated, it's easily deceived. And the adversary of your soul has authority over your flesh. That's why your flesh has to die. So you can have victory. When he comes, when he comes into an individual's body. He throws that individual around and thrashes them. We see it occur in the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus. Jesus is ministering. and, And while he's ministering, there is in the crowd a person who has opened themselves up. Be careful not to open yourself. Can I preach in 2016? Be careful not to open yourself up to the enemy of your soul. And somebody in that audience that opened themselves up to the adversary, to the devil, to Satan. And he filled their body. And he possessed the members of their body to the point that when he wanted to cry out, he used their tongue to do it. To the point that when he wanted to curse... He'd use their voice box to do it, to the point that when he wanted to torment them just because he got pleasure from it, he'd throw them around and thrash them around. And and he still does this to this day. Somebody said, why don't we see devil-possessed folks anymore, gnashing at the teeth and foaming at the mouth and eyes rolling back of the head, and we see it occasionally, Uh, but we used to see more of it. You know why? Because some of the devils are dressing up in suits and ties today. (laughs) Some of these devils are a little more polished than they used to be. They used to be crazy. Now they're starting to become acceptable. Just like Adam's bride deemed it acceptable, God forbid that the bride of Christ would ever deem it acceptable. Jesus would command that unclean spirit to come out have to wrestle, didn't have to fight. One man was possessed with legions of devils and, and he, he was so full of the devil that no chain and no restriction could hold him in bondage and could contain him. He lived among the tombs and ran around with no clothes on his body but when Jesus stepped onto the shore That man ran and worshipped him. And I'm going to tell you something. When somebody wants to worship God with an honest and sincere heart, there's no devil in hell and there's no legion of devils that can stop them from worshipping God. What is your name, Jesus said. My name is legion for we are many. Come to torment me, us before our time. Jesus had power and authority over the devils. And when the disciples exercised this authority, he made sure to let them know, don't rejoice so much that you have authority over the devils. But rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow, you're living in a world, and it's easy, and Minister Cooper talked about it. We're living in a world where you can see what the devil's up to. It's on display. It's on the front page of the paper. Everywhere you look, you can see the work of the adversary. He's got hate running rampant through our streets. He's got malice. He's got violence. He's got immorality. It's grotesque. It's reaching a point where we're literally putting God in a position where he'll have to pour out his wrath. My Bible tells me something very, very interesting and powerful. The Bible says that that this is that spirit of Antichrist, which is already in the world, and that we should not be afraid, little children, for we have overcome this spirit of Antichrist, because greater is he, oh, I wish I could... Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Now, I know that the devil likes to act all big and bad. And notice the difference. They would be thrown by the devil. Those that were possessed by an unclean spirit. They would be thrashed by the devil. They would, they would, they would act so so out of hand that they weren't allowed or able to be brought into public places because the devils in them were so tormenting and would lash out at others and so family members would have to hold them back, needing deliverance. That's how the devil operates. He's power hungry and he wants to show off. Jesus is totally different. He doesn't have to prove anything. He just walks up and says, come out. Another one runs at him and he doesn't have to fight. He doesn't have to arm wrestle. He doesn't have to get, put a suplex on anybody, put a sleeper hold on anybody. He just says, come out, come out. And you come out too. And get out of her and get out of him because he has power and he doesn't have to prove it. He just has power. Well, hallelujah. There as, 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 as intimidating the devil tries to be, as flamboyant as the devil tries to be, as extravagant as he likes to show off his abilities, there is one truth that shakes him to the very core of his being. It dispels him. It drives him out. It causes him to tremble and to fear. I mean, you look at how he operates in the Bible. He's brazen. There was a time when the sons of God came before the Lord and who comes with them but Satan. He is a brazen adversary, unclean, immoral, and absolutely bound to go into the lake of fire. But he's praising until one message is preached. There is a message that makes the devil's Uh tremble. The first time he heard this message was right after Adam and Eve had sinned. And God, the voice of God, came down into the garden of eden and called unto adam as at other times but adam was nowhere to be found he hid himself because he feared that god would be so angry and he knew death now was a result of his sin but when he finally came out covered with fig leaves the lord said why are you covered with fig leaves and why are you hiding from me He said, because my wife Eve messed up and messed me up. And Eve said, don't blame it on me. It was the serpent's fault. And while Adam and Eve are bickering over who did what, when, and why, and where, and who coulda, and shoulda, and woulda, God just kind of walks on by them, leaves them to their bickering. He goes directly to the culprit. That old serpent. This was the first time that old serpent was going to hear the one God message. He said, Cursed be thou. You're going to be on your belly and you're going to eat the dust of the ground. It's the first time somebody was told, Eat my dust. You're going to eat the dust of the ground. And he said to him, you have, and I'll grant it, you have bruised the heel of this couple today. But the seed of this woman shall fracture your skull. You mark my words, you're going down. And the voice of God just kind of walked back out of the garden. And he just, then he started, he started messing with the devil. He started messing with the devil. He let him know, little hints here and little clues there as to how it was going to happen. He said, we're going to cover you with animal skin. And we're going to cover this transgression. You you figure that out, serpent. You're going to figure it out soon enough. God preached the one God message to the devil. And something about the way he said it just didn't sit right with Satan. It made kind of put a shudder through him. What do you mean he's going to fracture my skull? It just kind of made him tremble a little bit. Well, there's a reason why it made him tremble. Because he had messed with God before. And knew the power of almighty God. He tried, to, he tried to spark an insurrection in heaven. To usurp God, to overthrow God. He tried to ascend into the position of God. And let me tell you how that ended up. The almighty God, the great I am. Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh put his, however big his boot is he landed it on Lucifer and however many angels wanted to join his little party and kick them out of heaven. And when he was kicked out of heaven he landed on the earth. Out- just happen. I don't ever want to have to deal with that ever again. That's a power I don't want to ever have to face. That is a dominion and authority I hope I never have to encounter again. Since I couldn't establish my kingdom in heaven. I just have to establish my kingdom here on earth. And he looked over at Adam and Eve and said, and here's going to be my first subjects. And I'm going to rule them with death. And so when he tempted, he wanted them to sin because if he could get them to sin, then he could bring death into the earth. And when he and death started stomping around the Garden of Eden. When he and death started stomping around this earth. They could own this place. They could run this town.
1: Rule and reign with terror.
0: That was the plan. And everything was was actually looking rosy for Satan. Until the father said that strange little thing about She's going to have a child who's 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 going to have a child. And the seed of that woman is going to crush your head. Uh, It was was giving Satan nightmares because this, this is not the way the plan is supposed to work plan is I'm going to rule everybody with an iron fist. I'm going to tempt them like I did Adam and Eve and I'm going to get them to sin and I'm going to make it so attractive and I'm going to make it so alluring and I'm going to make it look so lovely and I'm going to make it look so pleasant and I'm going to tell them why they should and why it would work out if they did and why God is a little too restrictive and then once they sin I'm going to beat them with condemnation beat them with fear, beat them with doubt beat them with condemnation, beat them with fear beat them with death, beat them, beat them, and beat them until I own them. That's how that's supposed to work. But stuff, just strange stuff started happening. Thank God. It was going pretty good. Like, he, he actually managed to spark so much violence in the earth. That's right. That the thought of every man was evil continual. Thoughts of violence ran through the circuitry of every man and woman's brain to the point that God repented of even creating the earth. He said, I'm going to have to pour out my judgment and my fury upon the earth. And this was working out just like the devil had planned. But then some really strange kind of eccentric guy, like starts like rolling out parchments and starts like drafting like geometrical figures and cubic inches and starts talking about harvesting gopher wood and says, we're going to build something this world has never seen before. We're going to build a boat so big that my family and the species of this earth that God created will be spared from the judgment of God. Now the devil had managed to beat everybody's brain into submission, but Noah had something that he was able to employ and the devil couldn't figure it out. He thought he had managed to shut off everybody's access to God because Of sin and violence and the corruption of their minds. But the Bible tells us the secret that the devil didn't know. Noah found grace. Before Noah even started building the ark among all these wicked people, there was one man among the whole whole world one man who had one testimony that he pleased God and it didn't matter what the devil tried to do this man pleased God and this man walked with God he walked with him every morning he walked with him every afternoon he walked with him every day until finally he disappeared should not see death. Death was stalking him. Death was haunting him. Death was taunting him. Death had a sickle. Grim reaper was around every corner. But everything the devil tried to do to make him die didn't work. And God said, I don't want him to see the pains of death, so I'm just going to take him. Now that's not not what the devil had in mind because this is my earth in his mind. This is my territory. This is my turf. This is is my area. I couldn't do it in heaven. And so I'm going to do it on earth. Build my little kingdom. Have my subjects be subservient and obedient to me. But stuff started happening. Noah builds an ark. Sodom and Gomorrah, he's got them on the verge of being absolutely annihilated. And Abram is praying that God would make a difference now Abraham and the Bible says that he looks up and sees three men the devil doesn't know where they came from walking on the plains of Mamre and they are the Bible says that the Lord appeared unto Abraham and began to explain to him what was getting ready to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham began to plead with God for those cities and somehow some way God delivered the family of Lot, who the devil had marked for destruction. But he wasn't able to destroy them because some higher power. A power that Satan had no authority over. Pierced into his little kingdom on this earth. And rescued people out of it. Oh, it made him tremble as he considered the implications of this. Where is this power coming from? Where is it that this mighty authority is coming from? Because I have authority on this earth. And I have met the power of God before, but surely he won't come out of heaven and do on earth what he did in heaven. God forbid that he come out of heaven and do on earth what he did in heaven. But the more he tried to convince himself otherwise, the more stuff started to just really bother him. Like, Lord. for instance, it bothered him when Moses stood before a burning bush. And, and while the bush is burning, and the devil doesn't know why the bush won't be consumed. But the Thank bush is God. burning and not being consumed. Thank God. And there's a voice that's speaking from the fire that's in the bush. And the voice is talking to Moses. Now you got to understand that the devil has been beating up Moses for 80 years of his life. Has gotten him so wrapped up in a nervous knot that Moses can't pull his sentences together. Moses can't even bring himself to to utter a speech. And now he's talking to this flame of fire. And in the flame of fire comes a voice nobody knows where the voice is really coming from there's not a man there there's fire there and the voice thunders to moses you go tell pharaoh to let my people go and the devil's like where's that voice coming from i don't see anybody where's that voice coming from and the voice i've heard that voice before Uh, but but where's it coming from and the voice wouldn't stop the voice said i make the ears and I make them to hear. I make the eyes. And I make them to see. I make the mouth. And I make it to speak. So don't worry about your inability to speak as you would like. Because I'm going to put words in your mouth and errands. And you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And when he said, who then shall I say has sent me? The devil perked up. I wonder who's doing this talking. And he did not like what he heard because the voice said something that the devil had heard before. You tell them, I am. I, am. I just simply am. Now, Moses wanted a little more detail than that. He wanted something a little more meaty and substantive than that. But God knew what Moses was trying to do. You're trying to put me in your box. You're trying to label me. You're trying to compartmentalize me. I'm just here to tell you that you're not going to do that with me. I am. The great I am. It was like God was messing with me. Letting the devil know you don't you don't really have this thing figured out. And I'm gonna leave you in mystery as to what it is that's happening. So you can imagine what the devil was thinking, looking over Moses' shoulder, while Moses is slaying a lamb and the blood of that lamb is pouring out, and, and, and Moses is painting the blood of that lamb over the doorpost. And when the angel of death came through the land of Egypt, the angel of death, the Bible says, was to pass through the land of Egypt. Anybody ever heard of Passover? Yes, sir. It wasn't a Passover to start with. It was a pass through to start with. But the blood of the Lamb turned the pass through into a Passover. Yes. Because the angel of death who had extinguished the lives of so many before came to pass through Egypt that night. But when he saw the blood He had to pass over. This didn't sit well with Satan because this really showed him that there is a power in the blood that I can't handle. There's a power in the blood of the Lamb. I don't know what it means. I don't know what this is all about. I don't understand the implications. But there's power in the blood and I can't exercise authority. he thought when Moses and the children of Israel walk up to the Red Sea and he's really got them right where he wants them and he's speaking down into everybody's spirit but Moses like he's listening to a voice and the devil thinks where what is he listening to What does he have his ear tuned to? I want to hear it. I want to know what he's hearing. But a wisdom came on Moses that is not a wisdom of this world. A wisdom that is only found in the heavens came upon Moses and he looked at the children of Israel and said, we're going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now that's not good for Satan because he knows who the Lord is. He knows who God is. And Moses is saying, we're going to see the salvation of Almighty God.
1: All of a sudden the waters part
0: hither and thither. The children of Israel walk through on dry ground. Now the devil knows beyond the shadow of a doubt. Oh no. He's here. He's in the earth. He's moving. He's moving. He's operating. I thought this was my turf evidently there's going to be a little bit of a turf war going on. I thought this was my territory but there is another power and I know that power because nobody can gather waters like him. I can turn it God into a snake. I can, I can turn water into blood. I can, I can bring uh, uh, frogs up out of the water. But then there was a point in the plagues where magic couldn't produce the miracle. Where witchcraft no longer had authority. And God was just being God. Whether the devil liked it or not. And God was confounded. The demons, the demon gods of the Egyptians Here, oh no, what are we gonna do now? Because he's here, and then bread starts floating from the heavens. Oh my, who's sending that bread? Quail shows up out of nowhere. Who sent the quail? And then, when he's got them so thirsty that tongues are cleaving to the roof of their mouth and they're about to die of thirst, all of a sudden water pours out of a rock. I know who did that. Where are you? He started trembling. Because he understands the power of the one true God. He started shaking because he understands the authority of Almighty God. He understands the authority of the everlasting Father. Well, hallelujah. And then he started seeing strange things happen. Venomous snakes would, would literally sink their teeth into people and distribute their venom into the bloodstream of their body, and they would begin to die. And all of a sudden, again, wisdom comes from some place that the devil can't put his finger on. And Moses lifts up a fiery serpent in the wilderness. And even as Moses lifted up that serpent in the well, oh, I wish I could say it like I feel it. It's the same way that in the future, the Son of Man, the seed of the woman, is going to be lifted up. Little types and shadows, little foreshadowing of something to come, and he's trying to put pieces together and he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to understand. Then you got folks like Gideon, who has 32,000 soldiers and tells them inexplicably that whoever wants to go home can go home. Then he's got 10,000 soldiers. And the devil's whispering in his ear, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. But all of a sudden Gideon says, I believe I can with 10,000. Takes them down to the brook. They all drink wrong. 9,700 soldiers don't know how to drink right. He's left with 300 soldiers, and the devil thinks he's got Gideon in the palm of his hand, full of doubt and full of fear. But Gideon walks out in the boldness from from something. Something gets a hold of him, some kind of an anointing, some kind of a confidence, some kind of an ability. He can't figure out where it's coming from. He, like other people, should be cowering in fear, but he's not. I wish you could have seen the devil's face when he walks out onto the hillsides of the Midianites and he takes a pitcher, has fire inside, shatters the pitcher, and all they do is shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and blow the trumpets, and the Midianites are the ones running in fear. Yes, sir. I wish you could have seen the devil's face when three Hebrew children decided that they weren't going to bow to the music and to the statue. I wish you could have seen the devil's face when when King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll throw you into the fiery furnace. And these three Hebrew children said, you go ahead and throw us into the fiery furnace. But we're still not going to bow. If God delivers us, and he can, we will not bow. If he chooses not to deliver us, and he might not, we're still not going to bow. The devil had never seen that kind of faith. He had never seen that kind of confidence. And what really blew his mind is that when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the soldiers throwing them in, died. Because of the heat of the furnace But when they get inside They're unscathed Unscorched And then there's some fourth guy walking around Who's he? And where did he come from? And Nebuchadnezzar said I see a fourth man in the fire And he looks like the son of God And Satan said What? Could have seen the devil's face when a young psalmist named David, hallelujah, was called of God to walk into Saul's room. And while Saul was being tormented by evil spirits, evil spirits that drove people insane, evil spirits that drove people into madness, evil spirits that tormented, hallelujah, and led people into lunacy, something would happen, and the devil couldn't explain it. But when David would sit down in that room and grab his harp and begin to strum that harp and start saying things, things like the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid when mine enemies and my foes came upon me they eat up my flesh they stumbled and they fell though war should rise against me my heart shall not fear though an host should encamp against me in this will I become on Monday, on Tuesday, same thing. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we we will remember the name. We will remember the name. We will remember the name. We will remember the name of the Lord. That was on Tuesday. The evil spirits left on Monday, the evil spirits left on Tuesday. On Wednesday he comes in and they're there whispering and whispering and haunting and taunting and jeering and mocking. But David just set up his harp in the middle of all those evil spirits. Pride flying around, envy flying around, lust flying around, evil spirits all around him. But David just starts strumming the harp. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High... Shall I under the shadow of the Almighty? I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. I wish you could have seen the devil's face when Goliath had all of Israel hot on the trail, hiding behind the rocks. David walks out onto the battlefield, said, is there not a cause? He walked out to meet Goliath. Goliath said, am I a dog that you would send me a child? But David said, you come against me with your sword and with your spear. Hallelujah. But I come against you. And the devil was curious as to what David had in his arsenal. He said, I come against you. I come against you in the name, in the name in the name, y'all, there's some people of the name in this building. In the name of the Lord of the hosts of Israel. Oh, hallelujah. And he didn't like it one bit. God was stepping down into his earth as he saw it, stepping down into his kingdom as he saw it and directing stones, parting waters, stopping the violence of fire, quenching the violence of fire, stopping the mouths of lions. God was doing this. And then, if that wasn't enough, the prophets started talking. And he did everything he could to stop the prophets from talking. The prophets were saying stuff That kept him awake at night The prophets were saying things That he didn't like one bit He would hear the prophets say things like In that day There shall be one God And his name shall be one The prophets were saying things like The Lord humbleth himself To behold the things that are in heaven and the things that are in earth. Now that messed with him right there. He didn't like what the prophets were saying because the prophets were saying things like, oh Bethlehem of Ephratah, you are little among the nations but out of you, out of you is going to come the ruler." Isaiah said like a root out of dry ground he said the wilderness and the solitary place shall sing that's what Isaiah said Isaiah said there'll be streams in the desert there'll be rivers in the wilderness he said the wolf will lay down with the lamb he particularly did not like Isaiah Isaiah messed with He tried to destroy Isaiah, but Isaiah wouldn't stop talking. Isaiah stood up and said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel." Now that's a problem, folks. Because he knows what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God. Jehovah God. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Canoe Jehovah Mekadash. I wish I could preach it like I feel it. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rohai. Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Shalom. We become Jehovah Ashua or oh, Yeshua. The Lord Elohim El Shaddai Is become. Do you mean God? What do you mean God? Uh, he tried to intimidate Isaiah, but the Lord said, Don't be intimidated. He tried to make him afraid. but afraid cry out the devil's face, when Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, his name shall be called wonderful. When he said wonderful, a shockwave went through the devil community. He said, Counselor! But when he said the mighty God! A whole lot of saving going on! And a whole lot of saving going on! The devil began to trim them. At the end! Out youth groups, I love I'll kick you out of people's minds. I'll kick you out of people's habits. Can I preach to somebody tonight? Just like I kicked you out of heaven, I'll kick you out. trying to tempt the one God people away from being one God people because he's terrified of that message that is the saving message God did not send another he himself became the only begotten son of God God was manifest in the flesh God was justified God was believed on in the world. God was put such on the Gentiles. And God was received the wisdom. Glory. Hero Israel. Hero Israel. He knows that the one God message Exposes his biggest lie Jesus said Make them one Even as we are one If you're not one with your brother You're not oneness at all Don't tell me you're oneness not one with your brother and sister in the Lord. The revelation of the oneness of God is not just that our God is one. But that understanding that God is one is the foundation upon which we place our feet and become one in Him together. that if we ever truly get a revelation of the oneness of God, we'll get a revelation of the oneness of his body. The last thing in the world the devil wants is for us to be one in Jesus Christ. You want to know why? Because one can put a thousand to flight, and two can put 10,000 to flight, and three will put a 100,000 to flight, and four will put a million to flight,
1: and five will put 10 million
0: to flight. I wish I feel like That's one God preaching. That's one God preaching. G.T. Haywood. When the oneness brethren of the Assembly of God were taking a stand in California, yes, sir. they called on Bishop Haywood to come and articulate the revelation. Wow. He wasn't even a member of the Assembly of God. But he walked into that Assembly of God meeting and declared the mighty God in Jesus Christ. In Christ Temple in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the 19th had about 2,000 people, yes, sir. and it was an integrated congregation. It was integrated when nothing was integrated. It was integrated when a principality of segregation gripped America. But that one God revelation <laughs> drove a wedge between the devil and the people of the name. In the name of Jesus, we are one in him. He is one and he makes us one. 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 one. Unfortunately, over the period of the 30s and 40s, even the body of Christ, the oneness believers, begin to let the principality of segregation intimidate them. They began to lose sight of the real fruit of oneness belief. I've come to tell you that the healing of this nation was always to come through the oneness people. Before Dr. King had a dream, Bishop Haywood had a revelation. And this oneness that the United States of America needs cannot come through politics. And it cannot come through government. It can't come through the Republicans. It can't come through the Democrats. It's gonna come through Jesus. It's gonna come through Jesus. It's gonna come through Jesus! I declare it in the name of Jesus. the name of Jesus I don't know if everybody in this room is from Cincinnati I know there's a lot of folks from a lot of places But Cincinnati has been graced by God There is oneness in our city There is oneness in our city And it's only going to grow And it's only going to flourish And it's only going to take more and more authority Somebody lift your praise to God right now I want everybody under the age of 35, I want you to come on to the front. Everybody under the age of 35, come on to the front. Come on, this is a young people's gathering, come on. Come on, that's it, God bless you, come on to the front. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we are one God people. We are one God people. Come on, we are one God people. We are one God people. We are one God people. We're the people of the name. We're the people of the name. We're the people of the name. You know what that means? That means that we have repented from our sins. We have turned from our wicked ways. We have turned from who we were in the old man, in the old flesh. And we've been buried immersed in the only saving name under heaven given among men in the name of Jesus Christ and when I was buried in the name of Jesus Joel Urshan died and I rose to walk in newness of life now Joel Urshan is Persian, German Norwegian, Swedish English, Native American I got I, I don't, probably a bunch of other stuff But when I went down into that water, all of that died. And I rose up to walk in newness of life. And now I am counted among the redeemed. I am counted among the redeemed. He filled me with the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels back at me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel it home in this world anymore because I'm in Jesus any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away all things are become new there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit we sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen. For in Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in Him who is the head of oh, all principality and power. So tonight we gather, yes, in greater main. But let's understand what we mean when we say greater main. We're united together in God with us. We're united together in Jesus' name. We are united together in the blood-washed multitude. Washed, justified, sanctified, cleansed. I want you to grab the hand of somebody who doesn't go to your church. Come on, dude. Right now, somebody that doesn't go to your church. Grab the hand of somebody that doesn't go to If you don't want to grab their hand, put your hand on the shoulder. I know men. I understand. Put your hand on the shoulder. In the name of Jesus, He loves all the things in the in the name of Jesus. I want to invite anybody that wants to. I, I know I said 35 and under. Anybody that wants to come on up. I want you to come on up and help us pray and be a part of this because we're all one. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to change us up, divide us up into age groups. If there's anybody that wants to come, come on, come on. We're one, we're one, we're one multi generational. Hallelujah. Come on in the name of Jesus. We're one in Jesus. We're one in Jesus. We're one in Jesus. There's healing in oneness. There's deliverance in oneness. There's power in oneness. There's miracles. Signs and wonders in one I believe the sickness is getting ready to be healed. Hallelujah! I believe marriages are getting ready to be put back together. I believe finances are getting ready to be resolved. In the name of Jesus, here's what I want us to do I'm going to count down from 10 to zero while I'm counting. I want you to begin giving God praise, but when I reach zero, we're going to worship God like we've never worshiped him before. If you've never danced, get ready to dance. If you've never shouted, get ready to shout. If you've never leapt, leap for joy. If you've never run, it's time to run. We're getting ready to have a miracle worship moment at Greater Emmanuel Apostolic Temple 2000. Go ahead and begin giving God praise. We're breaking chains. We're breaking chains. We're breaking chains. We're breaking chains. chains. Nine. I need the singers to get ready because we're getting ready to blow the roof off this house in praise. Eight. I want you to think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you. Seven. I want you to know that he's about to heal your body. He's about to bring the chain of addiction in your life. Six. He's about to answer that prayer. He's about to bring deliverance. Five. We are one in him. We are one in him. We are one in him. Four. Get ready for God to do it. Get ready. to happen! It's about to happen! It's about to happen! We are one!